Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Muddy Cleats, and this is episode seven. And with me is royalty, Shafiq Jadavji. He is from Tanzania. You're going to correct me in that in a couple of seconds. And he grew up in the Asian continent, the subcontinent of Asia, and played cricket. He moved across to the U.S. and was just inducted to the Hall of Fame class of 2022 just a couple of months ago for his incredible off-the-field accomplishments in bringing the sport to this incredible country called USA. But he's not also a Hall of Fame inductee. He's also a financial advisor, CEO and founder of 60 Financial. He's the president of the JC Cricket Association and co-founder of the Cricket America. Wow, I'm winded, Shafiq. Shafiq, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It is an absolute honor to finally get you on and have this conversation with you. Welcome aboard. Great. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate the opportunity and looking forward to uh, having a conversation, you know, that will hopefully uh, engage our uh, listeners in this process, you know. Yep. We're talking about the beautiful bat and ball sport, which is cricket. And 25 years, Shafiq has been behind the scenes and on the field, back and forth, really encouraging the sport, getting things going in this country, which is, the, which is no easy feat because cricket is in the way back of everyone's minds and Shafiq is bringing it to the front of everyone's minds one day at a time. Shafiq, 25 years behind the scenes, finally being recognized, being inducted into the Hall of Fame. What did that mean for you? Um, I think, first of all, it's a blessing to follow uh, something passionately for 25 plus years, right? Um, getting inducted in the USA Cricket Hall of Fame in Connecticut in October um, of last year was certainly um, a good accomplishment because, you know, you do good work in life because you have a passion for it. You don't do good work in life for trophies uh, or recognition, but it's always good to be recognized for the effort that you have put in. And then more importantly, um, to be part of a fraternity that helps you also further the sport. So when I got inducted in my acceptance speech, um, I made it very clear that this is just a beginning, right? Um, getting inducted in the Cricket Hall of Fame is not, you know, putting my gloves up and saying, hey, I'm done boxing. Uh, we have a new boxing match to, to start, right? So it was certainly a pleasure. It was certainly a blessing. And then more importantly, it's also a rejuvenating process for me to say to myself, hey, the last 25 years were, uh, were good. Let's make the next 25 even better. You know, you know going forward, after the, all the accomplishments, all the ground you've covered in the last 25 years, Let's just talk a little bit, take a quick picture of what's upcoming in your mind and in your agenda. What do you think the next step is for you right now going forward in the sport of cricket? Um, so for Shafiq, um, there are a few things that I, as an individual, I, as a leader in the sport of cricket, want to accomplish. So um, as you know, last year, uh, USA Cricket recognized me as the administrator of the year for USA. Uh, that was also a good recognition because it helped everyone understand that 
the work that I'm doing with different organizations, um, whether it's related to Cricket America, uh, the work that we are doing in Johns Creek, the Johns Creek Cricket Association, is, is something um, meaningful, something that is making impact. Um, so that recognition was an important thing to uh, help the city officials understand that you know they are dealing with a leader who has not been around the sport for 25 years only, but has done things that um, have allowed him to be recognized, to be inducted in the Cricket Hall of Fame, to be uh, recognized as the uh, administrator of the year by USA Cricket. So what my goals are for 2022, and it's, it's timely that we are talking um, now uh, in the beginning of 2023, is... The year is young, um, but I look at the year in 90-day period of time, right? So I don't look at it as a 12-month. Uh, so our uh, goal uh, this year, first of all, the Johns Creek Cricket Association is, as you know, I also sit with the Recreation and Parks Advisory Committee as a vice chair for the city of Johns Creek. So we just had a consultant that we hired as a city uh, that is... Uh, doing the uh, update to the park's strategic plan, which is a 10-year plan. Uh, that document has been put together, was presented to council members at a work session last week. Uh, it has a trajectory of what the city should be focusing on. Um, I had the opportunity to speak to the consultant uh, on the sport of cricket, and the recommendation is made as part of the strategic plan that the city of Johns Creek should partner with Johns Creek Cricket Association to further the sport of cricket in Johns Creek. So that's one thing. Um, that act by itself will be first of its kind in this country where a cricket organization has a, a contractual partnership with the city to oversee uh, the sport of cricket. That has not happened. So our goal is to become and make that a reality within the next three to four months, right? In addition to the strategic plan uh, partnership recommendation, uh, there's also a budget that is set aside over the next um, 10 years. We will need to raise about $100 million to do all the things that we want to do. As part of that particular budget, there will be money set aside for the sport of cricket. Um, we have a new park in Johns Creek that is going to be operational in May, June time is called Collie Creek. Collie Creek is a 200 plus acre park, um, which will have first of its kind, uh, 3.2 mile rubberized trail within the wow. park. That's so amazing. you can run a 5K within the park on a cushiony surface. That's a first of its kind in Metro Atlanta. As part of the phase one, because this is a huge park and it'll be built in phases, right? In the first phase, we are spending about $24 million to build the park. The first phase, it will have four soccer fields. Two of them will be um, turf fields and two of them will be grass fields. All four fields will be uh, light, lighted fields. The two grass field has a cricket pitch in between. So we will have a multi-use cricket field, a full-size cricket field, because the way it's designed is it's actually curves around the soccer field. So the lights are put not just to accommodate the square field, but accommodate the, the, the circular cricket fields. 
And so we will have a cricket field with lights that will be operational in um, around, I would say, May time. All right. Um, so those two things are extremely important for us, uh, for me, um, having uh, spent last eight years working with the city of Johns Creek. Um, so again, the first three, four months, if you can become the athletic association or partner with the city of Johns Creek, uh, make sure the strategic plan has additional funding for the sport of cricket over the next 10 years. And then more importantly, get ready to do this uh, opening of the Collie Creek Park, which is going to be a, a crown jewel, because this park alone will pretty much double the green space in Johns Creek. The opening, like you mentioned, hope, hopefully in May, is it going to be some sort of, and I'm just going to stick with the cricket conversation, is there going to be some sort of tournament or event that would help bring the sport uh, or awareness in that area to light? Yes, we will aim to accomplish that uh, because at the end of the day, um, the 5K uh, trail will have a couple of runs and we are actually working with the police department uh, as you know, I work closely with the uh, Johns Creek Police Department and the Fire Department. I just got on board uh, as a board member with the Johns Creek Public Safety Foundation. Um, so we are going to use the 5K run, uh, particularly with the police department, to create um, excitement. Uh, cricket should be part of that excitement because one of the recommendations that the consultant made which is very very valid and it's aligned with what you're asking is you're only going to get one opportunity to open a park like this yeah right? create a celebratory process behind it sure. and that process would mean celebration of all the different sports uh different amenities that the park will have so absolutely we will work to make sure uh that that particular park opening process engages with the sport of cricket as well you know, Shafiq, you've played cricket all over this country. This crown jewel, I'm asking for all the listeners who want to come across and play cricket there, what's the wicket going to be like, Shafiq? We all want to know what's the wicket going to be like. Is it going to be a grassy wicket? Is it going to be turf? What, what are we talking about here? Okay, so um, the, as you know, in, in Johns Creek, we have a park called Shake Rack Park, all right, that we started uh, building the cricket infrastructure starting in on June 11, 2019, and then the reason why I remember that date was that's the date we did our uh, ribbon cutting for our first three cricket batting cages, and it was my birthday, so it was a gift from the city to Shafiq, you know. Oh, um, and in that park, we have been able to now establish uh, two cricket pitches. We have uh, six cricket batting cages, uh, just um, in during Thanksgiving weekend, we did our ribbon cutting for our second electronic scoreboard. Uh, so those pitches are built by a company called FieldTurf. FieldTurf is a large contractor. They do large stadiums, including Mercedes stadiums in, in Atlanta and all that. So the fur, those pitches do cost money uh, because they are long lasting. Sure. And um, they, the way they are designed is somewhat of a unique uh, fashion, which is cement, cushion, and then turf on top. So the pitch that is initially going to be um, used for the multi-purpose cricket field in Collie Creek Park with lights is going to be similar kind of surface. We do have aspirations and we are going to work with the city to create a dedicated 
full-size cricket field with turf wickets as well as part of phase two. So phase one is probably building one-fourth of the park. So there is still three-fourth of the park to be built. In that three-fourth, um, there will be uh, wedding reception area, restaurants. Wow. Um, we will have an indoor maker space for robotics. Uh, we are working on potential indoor facilities. So um, we're trying to use this park as a crown jewel uh, for Johns Creek. And it will take time. It is not going to happen overnight. But the goal is to not only um, do turf wickets in, in the Collie Creek Park, but also in the coming months and years, work towards a, a project for a potential stadium and all that. So there's a lot to be done. You know. John, John's Creek had no idea what they were dealing with when Shafiq Jadavji came across to live in that area. They had no idea what to prepare for. And now they're building parks. This guy's he's running the recreation area. He's like, this is amazing. I love his story. But I want to ask you this question. Mm-hmm. 25 years playing cricket in the U.S., there's no winner or loser here. Is there an area of the country that you've witnessed that has the most participation in cricket? So um, in terms of quantity, um, as you know, I lived 30 years in New York. Um, so once a New Yorker, always a New Yorker. 30 winters, God bless you. Right, 30 winters. <laughs> and, and not only 30 winters, I did my undergrad in Buffalo, all right, and lived two years in Rochester. So the, the, the snow effect in Rochester, <laughs> upstate, and then Buffalo – during the years that the Bills lost uh, four Super Bowls in a row, but I'm rooting for them this year. So who knows? You know, the Bills may just make it to the Super Bowl and actually win it. You know, um, so New York City, as you know, uh, has the largest quantity of cricket, right? Uh, because of the diversity and the fact that cricket has been around in New York City, and and also we call it the tri-state area because you got New Jersey, Connecticut right next door. So. That part of the country has always had large quantity of sport and good cricket, right? And I've been uh, blessed to have the opportunity to play in some of those, you know, good leagues in New York in the 90s and 2000 era and all that. Um, What has happened is in the last 20 years, cricket has now um, furthered itself in cities like Raleigh, North Carolina, right? Right. Cities like Nashville, cities like Birmingham, Atlanta was on the map, but not to the point that it is right now, right? Um, Houston has always been there. Dallas, 25 years ago, there wasn't that much cricket in Dallas. So the concentration of cricket historically has always been uh, the Northeast Corridor, Florida, Chicago, West Coast, because, you know, you have the L.A., San Francisco area that have... Northern California Cricket League and Southern California Cricket Association, they have played for the last you know, almost 70, 80 years. But now, because of the migration of the cricket-playing country members living across America and um, working with uh, cities, working with their own community members to build the infrastructure, cricket is now pretty much everywhere in the country now. So uh, to answer your question, I would say even today, Cricket in New York will be the highest quantity, um, the Northeast Corridor, but the Southeast is growing tremendously. And the reason why that is happening is 
you can have 10 months of cricket, nine months Absolutely. of cricket. Absolutely. Right? I'm glad you said it. Yes. Um, and, you know, Miami, Florida, you know, Miami, Tampa and Florida area has good weather, but the migration is not as robust as it is occurring in cities like Atlanta. So Atlanta is really, really thriving because, first of all, state of Georgia right now is one of the best states to do business, right? Secondly, the cost of living in Georgia and, and metro Atlanta is very reasonable relative to some of these metropolitan cities. Thirdly, is the fact that the millennial population is really moving to Atlanta. Austin used to be the hub for attracting millennials. Now is Atlanta. And why is that the case? Because you have the universities, you have Georgia Tech, UGA, Emory, uh, Kennesaw, you know, Georgia State. So I think if you put all those pieces together, and let's not forget, you have the busiest airport in the world, oh, yeah. which is Hartsville Airport. So you combine all those things together, um, and more importantly, the conducive nature of the weather to allow for cricket to happen nine months a year in a, in a summer months, not too hot, like Florida, humid hot, um, but winter months, you, you know, you can still play cricket in October, you know, no issue. Feels like England. There you a, go. A little chilly. So you've, um, out of all the places you've played cricket, hmm. and a lot of other players from other sports talk about the size of the America. Hmm. America is the third largest country on the planet. Hmm. And it housed so many different regions of cricket. And people from other sports talk about, or like a soccer player, when you come to play in the MLS, you have to travel every part of this country, this vast country, different climates, and, and play the sport. So, here's a question. You've played all over this country. Is there any particular part of this country that was the toughest to play? Um, I wouldn't say toughest to play, but I would say memorable uh, to okay. play, right? Um, so, as you know, um, Philadelphia has a lot of history, okay. right, uh, for the sport of cricket. For those of uh, us who know the history of cricket in America, uh, Philadelphia area, when I say Philadelphia, it's not just city of Philadelphia, but also neighboring um, cities. Uh, so if you remember the history um, during the 1840s, 1860s, Philadelphia and the neighboring cities had 500 cricket clubs, right? That is um, amazing. And even till today, there are country clubs that still maintain the name cricket in their name, such as Haverford Cricket Club, Marion Cricket Club, Germantown Cricket Club, uh, Philadelphia Cricket Club. So um, from a historical perspective, um, if you look at the clubhouses, those used to be the pavilions for cricket in the 1800s. So I had the opportunity um, because a friend of mine used to organize the Philadelphia International Cricket Festival, which was an annual event, more of a celebratory event, celebrating the sport of cricket, inviting um, players across the country, across the world. Uh, you will get uh, very, very uh, recognized cricketers you know, uh, to come in Philadelphia for that festival. And it was only during those so-called festival, festival days that these organizations would open up their uh, clubhouse and their club 
to play cricket um, because cricket doesn't get played there anymore. Yeah. And um, they would put flex, flex, flex wicket to play on it. Um, but that location, just, you know, envisioning what cricket would have been like with those buildings as pavilions, I think that was probably the memorable kind of historical uh, connecting the dots kind of moments yeah. for me, you know. See, almost like when you were on the field, just being a part of history? Absolutely, absolutely. And a pristine outfield, all right? So think about golf club, I mean, golf course kind yes. of outfield, right? Ooh, Where right. the ball would roll. Um, and you're not going to get that bad hop and you're going <laughs> to feel it. You're not going to, but it's just, you know, it's, it's a huge um, facilities. And these, these facilities are not small, right? So, and you go to the bars of the clubhouses and you see, cricket bats from 1800s, you see cricket pictures, and, and the fact that these uh, organizations still maintain the word cricket in their name, it's, it's just unbelievable, you know. So, so I think in, in that Philadelphia, Haverford area, there's a lot of history, and I would absolutely recommend to anyone, if they are in that vicinity, to go and visit and understand what cricket used to be like in the 1800s in this country, you know. So, New York, would you say 30 years of cricket you've played there? I played good uh, organized cricket for about uh, 21, 22 years. Because when I moved to New York um, yeah. in 1982, uh, I turned 14. Um, I didn't think there was any cricket. And so from age 14 to about 19, I didn't play any cricket. I played a lot of American sports, you know, football, American football, baseball, basketball, and then I met people from Trinidad. And I said, <laughs> hello, there is cricket here. And then, you know, I played some good cricket. We uh, used to play first in Commonwealth League and Van Cortlandt Park. So if those of you who know the history of Van Cortlandt Park in New York, uh, that park used to have 11 cricket fields and one venue. <laughs> And you would have to be careful when, you, when you're fielding on the boundary because you've got to look the other way yes. <laughs> so that the ball doesn't come yes. and hit you. Very, uh, very, I'm going to jump in there. Very, familiar, very similar in Trinidad and Tobago is the Queen's Park Savannah, right in the middle of Port of Spain. And there's six to seven cricket pitches going on. And literally, I played there for many years, and you're on the boundary exactly like you said, and you literally have to look out for the next game because you could get hurt very easily. But I love that. I love the, the grassroots organic story of that sort of scenario. Love it. Go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, uh, and then uh, ended up, so in, in those years, we, I played for a team called uh, Eagles, um, which had combination of players uh, from Trinidad, from Jamaica, from Pakistan, myself, you know, African-born. Sure. Um, we had a fellow named Jimmy Maharaj from uh, Guyana uh, that people may know. Uh, actually, Jimmy, I believe, was from Trinidad. Um, Jimmy Maharaj, yes, okay. Jimmy Maharaj. And um, so we, it was great time, and it was good cricket. Yes. I mean, it was very, yes. very good cricket. Uh, our skip, skipper was uh, Sheldon Gomes, Larry Gomes' brother. All right. Um, and I will tell you, uh, Ryan, I've played under many, many leaders, but I have never seen a leader like Sheldon Gomes. Uh, really? I believe, in my view, he, he was probably the better cricketer of the two brothers. 
he just never got a chance to play for the Western sure. Indies. Uh, sports, sports does have those st- sort of stories around them, so no surprise. And he was one of those uh, captains where, you know, people are getting, bowlers are getting hit, you know, left and right. And he will just take a bowl and say, oh, let me just bowl, you know, let me just have fun, you know. And before you know, he takes a wicket, right? <laughs> Uh, and changes the, the, the complexity of the game. So he was he was fun to be around on the field. Very very knowledgeable uh, about the sport. Played Shell Shield Trophy. Um, I think he had the highest score in Shell Shield uh, Triple Century. Um, so you know, playing playing with those caliber kind of players helped me enjoy the sport, um, sure. get better at it. And then I played, so that league was a Commonwealth League, and then I played in Metropolitan League in the 1990s uh, with a club called uh, Cosmos, which started in 1981. So that club is still going on. Um, and we played in uh, some, some very good finals. I still remember playing in a final with uh, uh, a team called... Uh, Richard Staple was a captain from Jamaica of that team, okay. and uh, we scored only 132 runs. They were 82 for two, and we won by two runs. <laughs> wow. And that was the final. And so I think, you know, and we traveled all, all across uh, USA to play because, you know, you know, and played in Toronto a lot, uh, went to England to play in Durham festivals a few times. Uh, How was that? What was it like when you stepping off the plane, going into England to play cricket? You're back into the homeland of the sport, if, if you will. What was it like playing cricket there? Um, first of all, I was, you know, cricket is certainly uh, a sport that started out of England, as we know. Um, and there are places in England, especially with county cricket, that in, particularly in the 70s and 80s, were really well-known counties, right? Yeah. So as Somer- part, Somerset. Somerset. And, all right. Yeah. So as part of these festival um, cricket competition, we had the opportunity to play on county grounds and all that. And I remember in one tournament, we played against the uh, British Air Force. All right. I have never played against 11 players who were tall, fit, <laughs> And could play. <laughs> all right. I mean, these guys, everyone was like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, all right. Ex- extremely fit. Yeah. And they could bowl, bouncers, and they can hit the ball. And I remember playing that match, and I think we lost by 20 yards some runs or so. And I'm saying... That's it? That's by 20 Exactly. Good. Right? And they ended up winning the competition, uh, rightfully so. Uh, but, you know... It was different because you go to clubhouse between innings and you get served tea and, and, and biscuits. Sure. Right? Yes. Uh, and the sandwiches. So it, it's a completely different environment, right? You, when you play in England, we played in a Durham festival and the mayor of Durham, I mean, was, you know, we stayed at the University of Durham uh, because it was the accommodations for us, for the athletes. And in those years, uh, Sri Lanka... Um, and I, I want to say this was 1994 or 95. Sri Lanka was not a, a recognized country yet. And we ended up playing in that competition against the team that became Sri Lanka. All right. 
Oh. And um, that is some some really big names coming out of there, right? yeah. And and it was interesting, you know, in, in those early '90s that you know there was that kind of caliber. Uh, but it was fun. I mean, it was exciting and uh, was sure. joyous moments to play against well-known, you know, cricketers out there. You know. So, playing uh, across the U.S. and in New York, toughest bowler you ever faced? Oh, I forgot. Must it. be one way. Whizzed one past your jaw, and you thought, "Well, Shafiq, yeah. if I, I get I, out I, of here." Yeah, I know. I know the bowler. I just can't remember his name. He played. Um, uh, either for the A side in the West Indies, um, or he actually represented West Indies in some of the ODI matches. And I remember playing in the final, because what used to happen in Metropolitan League in New York, for those of our viewers who are familiar with cricket in, uh, in New York, you know, there are regular season games and there are playoff games. And the players that play in regular season could be very different than the players who play in the playoff games, <laughs> okay. right? Because come playoff games, everyone is coming from Trinidad, yes, Jamaica, yes. you know, Guyana to play in the matches. In the prestigious matches. Yeah. Exactly, right? You got 1,000 people watching the final. Yeah. And in. in those years, we used to play with red ball, you know, white clothing. And... Uh, Switchin', Switchin', uh, boy, what was his name? I forgot his name, but he was a tall bowler, and okay. every ball is going here, you know. And you're like, <laughs> I can't hit it. I, I can't hit it, but I better not get hit by it, you know. That's right. <laughs> so, yes. um, but that that um, cricket playing on a hard clay wicket in September time, when wow. you know when the clay gets hard, and then you have jute matting on top. And the bowler is running 35 yards to bowl. And to he's you. angry and he's tall and he, he tall. just wants to hurt someone. Yeah. Yes. So, um, so there were some very good bowlers. Um, and obviously there were a lot of good batters that uh, played with us um, and against us. So um, these were very good athletes. Um, all Western so ev Every batsman has it up in his mind. He never forgets his best innings. Best innings for you during that time. Oh, uh, it, it was a good inning. It could have been the best inning. All okay. right. Um, so my father um, had a heart issues over the years. He had his uh, first heart attack at the age of 38. He had a quadruple at 42. Uh, and he died at age 67. And... Uh, the last few months of his life uh, were very challenging because his uh, ejection fraction, which is your percentage of heart functioning, was down to like 20%, right? Um, and it becomes very difficult because then you're, you know, you have water retention. So going yeah. from nursing home to the emergency room became a common theme. Right. And... Um, Mom and I made a decision, uh, along with my sister, that we would not resuscitate him, all right? So we get a call um, Saturday evening, 6 o'clock. Uh, my mom gets a call. Uh, what do you want us to do? Uh, coming from the hospital, I mean, doctor's call came in. Mom called me, and we made the decision that we will let him go. 
All right. And he passed away peacefully. Um, really, really good-hearted person. Good. Um, next morning, 11 o'clock, is a final. All right. Of a match against a team that is the biggest rivalry between the Cosmos and this team. Um, obviously, most of my family currently lives in Canada. So, you know, when your father passes away, you got to make calls, right? And sure. You gotta yes. Let everyone know what has happened. And obviously, I called my skipper. Um, and he, my skipper at that time, played first class, class cricket for Jamaica. And um, I told him, listen, this is what has happened. And, you know, everyone was very, very uh, supportive. And, um, sure. But along the way, you know, as I'm making calls, you know, late night and all that, uh, early morning hours, still doing this, call comes in, maybe you should come and play, right? And I said to myself, you know, my dad was the person who bought me my first bat, all right? Uh, I need to go and play this match for him, all right? And I actually decided to go and play that match the next morning. I was late, you know, five hours had gone by. We were fielding first. The team, the opposition, I think, scored 100, and it was a low-scoring game. They scored 168 runs or something like that. 50 over match? 35 over match. 35, All okay. Right. And we had a, a very good batting lineup. Unfortunately, everything collapsed, right? So here I go, bat and everything. You know, I mean, 35 overs, 165, 168, some runs, not a big deal, right? Ultimately, the score gets to a point where it's nine runs and over, 10 runs and over. I'm still on the crease, still making runs. Long story short, last ball, need two runs to win. I don't know what happened. I hit the ball straight to the bowler. Oh. Did he hold on? Did he, did he catch it? On, oh. on, it was on the ground and went straight to the bowler. All right? And there was a match. That was it. All right? I think I made like 65 some runs in that match. Um, but but you, turned, you actually kept the team in the game. I'm talking nine, I eight, actually, nine runs and over. Yes. You know, it was, it was a match to win at that point because... You know, we were chasing a, a score that was not that high, but ultimately the run rate creeped up and it became nine runs and over and all that. But we made the runs and now it's the last over, last ball, one to tie, two to win. And I played the ball straight to the, to oh. the bowler. I'll tell you, uh, and this was live commentary, thousand people, tens, you yeah. name it. You know, Jamaican jerk chicken cooking, fish cooking, <laughs> you name it, right? Yeah. And I remember just dropping on the pitch oh. and saying, what the hell did I do right now? Oh. Right? Uh, it would be too hard. I mean, that's impossible task and, to keep the team in the game. And um, I walked out straight to my car, took off my pads, and drove away. Oh. Right? I still 
remember that match uh, because I did not cross the finish line. Um, so sometimes, you know, you're, you're, you know, they say um, joy of victory and agony of defeat. Yes. Right? Yes. And this is one of those agony of defeat that stays with me. Um, and uh, it, is, it is part of playing sports, you know. You didn't, even, you didn't even stick around to pick up the Man of the Match award. <laughs> you just I, drove off. <laughs> I just went straight to my car, took off my pad, yeah. and drove off. Probably had so much emotion from the day before. You know, I, all that baggage. Yeah, just, you know, and then, then losing on the last yeah. ball. Yes. yes. I mean, you know, it, it, yes. it, it was difficult. Kicking the gut, yeah. Um, I wish I had finished the, uh, the finish line. Um, for the sake of my father, to create a memory that would have been a W versus yes. an, uh, a loss kind of situation. But again, um, so I, I enjoyed that experience because life is all about making decisions. Uh, I did not have to go and play that match, right? Um, I made a decision, and the reason I made that decision is not necessarily because my team needed me. Is I said to myself, you know, here's a man who who actually, in, you know, helped me uh, get into this sport. He bought me my first bat. I yeah. remember going to the store and, you know, buying that bat. Uh, so, you know, it's, I wanted to honor that, that life. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to finish it off, you know. Wow, what a story. What a story. So, cricket back in the 80s, 90s, we talk about New York cricket. Now we see the origin of minor league cricket. We see the U.S. Cricket Association bringing the sport into commercialization in a good way, bringing it to the surface where everyone who's interested in looking can find it. Where do you see minor league cricket going and where would you like it to see it go? So... Um for those of the listeners who are not aware of how this whole process started, um, you know, there's an organization called American Cricket Enterprise, uh, also known as ACE, that is the entity behind this minor league and major league cricket, right? Uh, minor league started a couple of years ago. Last year, they had 27 teams from 27 different venues, meaning cities. Um, this year, the plan is to start Major League Cricket. It'll be at one venue in Dallas, which is the previous um, uh, Airhawk Stadium in Dallas in Grand Rapids. Uh, the competition will have six teams, uh, Major League teams, uh, that will play the competition all at this venue in the month of July. Uh, the six cities are New York, um, D.C., uh, Dallas, um, L.A., San Francisco, and Seattle, right? Those are the six cities. Um, so Major League Cricket is a huge step towards the professional cricket in America. Yes, this year is going to be a small baby step, uh, sure. one venue, but the competition is going to start. The Airhawk Stadium uh, used to be a triple A uh, B 
baseball stadium where, where the Grand Rapids, city of Grand Rapids um, said, hey, you know what, you can repurpose this stadium. So money has been spent, millions of dollars have been spent to repurpose that stadium into a cricket stadium. And uh, it will have lights. Um, minor league is an opportunity to play better cricket than league cricket. Yeah. Right? Um, I think it has an opportunity for players to be surrounded by better players because minor league players are not just US-centric players. There are a lot of players that have played good cricket in other parts of the world who come on board um, and play for their respective teams. So, yeah, I, you know, I got a chance to see minor league cricket in its origin two years ago and then the second season last year, 2022. Definitely a step up just in one year. You saw the difference in the organization in the pitches, in the way the officials carried out their tasks, the way the teams were organized, even from one year to the other, just the first two years, you saw a leap already. Saw a leap in the quality of cricket, the broadcast, it's live on YouTube, people from around the world can tune in and watch it. I think it's brilliant. This country, how it takes a sport, it has the ability to take a sport and put and lay out the canvas for everyone to come onto the canvas, this platform, and play. Whether it's from the players on the field, to the organizers, to the sponsors, to the broadcasters, it's amazing to see it come to life. And it's coming to life in cricket in the U.S. You have to see that in two years, Shafiq, I think is amazing. Absolutely. And I think, you know, this is just a starting point, right? Because we know um, later um, in the month of May, the USA Olympic Committee is going to finalize the decision about introduction of cricket in the 2028 Olympics. Right. Um, cricket is shortlisted. Uh, I would put my money on the fact that cricket will be included in the 2028 uh, Olympics in LA. Just last week, the Olympic Committee admitted USA cricket as, um, as a recognized body. Uh, under the USA Olympic and Paralympic um, infrastructure, right? So that step by itself to me means that, you know, uh, things are happening, right? So come May, when the final decision is made, I am hopeful that cricket will be part of the Olympics uh, in 2028. You know, six years will go by very quickly. Um, I do believe cricket or the Olympics will take cricket to a completely different trajectory. So if you think about minor league cricket, major league cricket, and then you have cricket in the Olympics, because when you have um, any sport in the Olympics, you are not, I'm hopeful that that's, this will not happen, which is restriction as to how many different countries can participate. Yeah. Right? Because if you look at the world cricket scene, um, to play in the World Cup, you know, you have to go through the process and sure. there are only X number of teams that come and play. So I think it'll be yeah. interesting uh, to see. But I think uh, minor league um, that started two years ago and major league starting this year, these are foundational things. Um, it took soccer a lot of years. And the 2026 FIFA World Cup in USA is going to be the biggest party that the U.S. has it ever is. held. Right. right. So I, I think huge. these are all good, good things that are going on for the sport of cricket, you know. 
you think, and I'm looking at the U.S. national team, men, women, I, I see the men just in that second tier mm-hmm. of uh, like Group B, let's say League B. What would it take for the U.S. team, this is just T20 format, to get into Group A, League, League 1? So I have two answers for that. Um, a short-term answer and a long-term answer. Right. Um, the short-term answer is I think we need to be inclusive in the representation of talent uh, in the USA team. Right? Um, because USA as a whole is a melting pot. Right? The biggest. And an organized melting pot. It's an opportunity to take advantage of that organized melting pot. So we have good players in this country that come from all walks of life, all parts of the world, who now are capable of representing USA. The inclusiveness will only happen if we look at, look at the opportunity, right? We are the United States of America, right? Um, we have players who come from the Caribbean. We have players who come from Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, South Africa, Australia, England, you name it, Canada, right? So we have good representation. And many of these are, you know, pl- players who have their best cricket ahead of them. So they're yeah. not like, okay, I played first-class cricket in, in, in uh, West Indies or Pakistan or I played for ODI team and... And I'm no longer playing for that country, so you know my best days are behind me. No, these are players I think who can put together, because if you look at um, sports in America, and we are very good in this country to become the best with a with a with a game plan, right? Yeah. So when Ivan Lendl played tennis, all right, he played for a different country. And ultimately, he ended up playing for USA. Um, Because there is a way to incorporate talent from different countries, qualify them, and have them represent the United States of America. But that only happens if you are broad-minded. So that's the uh, short-term solution to me. And short, when I say short-term, I would say over the next five to six years, kind of solution. To be competitive. To become competitive. In the USA, we do not like losers. Right? So you need to create a winning formula. You need to have a management that is uh, broad-minded, uh, that incorporates techniques, skills, uh, abilities from different American sports. So I'll give an example. In the 90s, Australia was the first country to have a baseball fielding coach for the Seattle Mariners come in to become the fielding coach for the Australians. Why? Because fielding um, in baseball 
that strong arm, you know, throwing the ball from the outfield straight to home plate. Flat. Flat, right? Diving and catching, yes, there's a glove, but it's beyond the glove, right? Yeah. The techniques of agility and all that, you know, as a fielder, if you're a shortstop, I mean, you are, it's, it's an instantaneous move that you make to catch that ball at shortstop or third base, yeah. right? Because the ball is pulled. So I think mm -hmm. the U.S. management and coaching staff will need to look at American sports, apply some of the techniques, and say, how can we incorporate some of the knowledge of the American coaches? Maybe there's a coach that is in the sport of football, but has some things to teach us, all right? Baseball, same thing. Basketball, same thing. What is basketball? Leaping, right? How do you jump? So, you know, in cricket, you have to catch the ball. How do you... How so, like, applying, applying the sciences applying from Applying the sciences from different sports and incorporating it. I think the, the... Right now, I believe we are running cricket in America as cricket is run in other countries. But one thing you have yeah. to keep in mind, other countries don't have the other sports that we do in America. Yeah, yes. So that would be the, the short and medium term kind of a thing. Long term, you have to understand one thing. If you only f look at Asian players, then you're not gonna find many 6'5 uh, tall players that are built, who can bowl hard, hit hard, dive hard, and so the opportunity for American cricket is think about the grassroots of American sports. Every, the average collegiate basketball player height is probably 6'2", six 6'3". Six and there are thousands of collegiate basketball players. But how many 6'2", six 6'3", cricketers do we have in the USA team? Not much. Not much. So I think we need to look at it from a broader perspective if you want to have American cricket. That's a different mindset versus having cricket in America. Right? American cricket is incorporating the American sports techniques um, assets. The assets are the athletes. Right? They go through a lot of training in different sports. Uh, same thing can apply to cricket and make it a little more. Because if you think about the dynamics of T20, the dynamics of T20 changed because you needed to make runs. So now a batter shifts around, moves around, and does thing that yeah. Viv Richard would have said, no way I'm going to do this, right? But it's a great technique nowadays. So I, I think... You improvise. Know, improvise, right? Um, as the saying goes, necessity is a mother of invention. Yes. I think we need to look at that saying and actually embrace that saying if we want to be a cricketing nation. And it so we have to dig a little deeper into the talent pool that we have or the, the upcoming talent and really start utilizing it, bringing that to the surface to become more competitive. Absolutely. And being inclusive, <coughs> inclusive from perspective of different techniques, different sports, uh, different skill sets, different nationalities, and looking at it from that perspective.
Okay, we're going to touch now on one of your pride and joys, which is uh, Cricket America. You are one of the co-founders of this movement in the sports in the United States of America. It's six years. It started off with a minimal amount of teams. And the last time I checked in 2022, there were 20 teams, also teams from outside of this country, such as the Canadians, our neighbors, coming across the border to play. Every year, Cricket America just seems to get stronger and stronger. The word is getting out further and further away across this planet. There's something big is happening here. Take us through Cricket America, how it started, and what's happening in 2023. So Cricket America Limited is an organization that we started um, in 2016, towards the end of the year. And the purpose of that organization was very simple. Uh, create opportunities for people to play cricket in organized tournaments and also use the sport as a community engagement activity. So I'm part of a community uh, that is spread out across North America and across the globe, right? Um, sports, just like arts, music, is a universal language. And my goal was, hey, we want to embrace Cricket America uh, activities in such a way that it creates an opportunity for athletes within the community and outside of the community to come together. and play organized sport in a disciplined fashion, good quality cricket, and enjoy creating friendships and memories. So we started uh, our inaugural Cricket America Championship was held in 2017 in Dallas. Uh, we started, I want to say, with seven teams um, when we started. Uh, first year we did it in Dallas, second year we did it in Houston. Third year we did in Dallas again. Uh, fourth year we did in Houston. Fifth year we did it in Atlanta. Last year, sixth year we did in Chicago. Next year, or this year we plan to do it in Atlanta because there is a new facility uh, that is under construction with six um, turf wicket fields. Um, so it has grown quite a bit, right? From last year we could have had more than 20 teams, but we decided we want to put a stop because we also had a sure. team looking to join us from Uganda. And the issue they ran into was a visa issue. Sure. Um, this year, they will have ample of time to come and join us. So that event uh, is a four-day event. It's a T20 event. We try to organize that event uh, with the best discipline possible so that cricket is played with the best spirit of sportsmanship. But then more importantly, the best cricket is played on the field, not off the field, right? Create the opportunity to have fun off the field, uh, opportunity for people to get to know each other, recognize talent, appreciate talent off the field, but also on the field. So um, this event has now become uh, a marquee event. Cricket America Championship has become a marquee event for, um, for Cricket America. Uh, we just made the announcement with the uh, captains uh, who joined us last year, just today, that this event is going to happen in Atlanta from June 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th. 
we are using the Juneteenth weekend. Uh, June 19 is a Monday, so we'll do Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Um, the good thing is because of the brand that we have established, uh, and we, we, we try our best to give enough time. So, you know, we're giving five months notice that this event is going to happen. We've been blessed that people want to come back. Um, and we get confirmation very quickly. We, there's a registration cost and all that. Um, but the most important thing that I'm pleased about is, is really building a brand that goes beyond the sport of cricket. So the 20 teams, 14 players each, 280 athletes, they now can reach out to each other. Not just as athletes, not just as cricketers, but as friends and brothers. To be able to do things together, right? Do business together. Uh, share the knowledge, right? If someone has a need uh, looking for some information in certain industry, here's an access of 280 individuals that can share some knowledge, right? You're looking to open up a business in a different state and you want to get some uh, information. Now you have friends that you can reach out to. So, you know, we've been able to use Cricket America Championship as a vehicle to play good cricket, but then more importantly, create these opportunities for people to really enhance their life beyond just the sport of cricket. You know? Wow, what a gift. Talk about enjoying what you love, a passion, cricket, and then taking that outside of the, the field. And like you said, adding on to your life, to your experiences, whether it's friendships, business, whatever area you want to blossom in to provide that, that background. That's amazing, Shafiq. So Cricket America, you just announced, just for our listeners, I have to confess to everyone, I, I, was, I witnessed this Cricket America in Chicago. Shafiq was gracious to be, allow me to be a part of it. It was an incredible experience, and everything he said was exact. The cricket on the field played with the greatest bit of sportsmanlike conduct, and then off the field, a celebration, food, drinks, just constant interaction, networking, if you would like, so it really was a celebration of life through the game of cricket. And for you guys to, to orchestrate that, Shafiq, is just a legacy you guys are leaving behind. And thank you for allowing me to be a part of it. And I'm, I'm sure on behalf of everyone else, thank you for leaving that for everyone to be a part of. Absolutely. And again, there's more to come, right? So the train is continuously moving and uh, we're going to keep on bringing more passengers on the train. You know, Amazing. So, that being said, we've now reached the one-hour mark, Shafiqis. I knew when I pressed record and we just said, let's go. We're going to reach an hour easily. So, Shafiq, take us through this. You were born in Tanzania. Correct. Is that correct? Correct. And you moved from Tanzania when to where? So, uh, my family had moved to East Africa, Tanzania in the 1800s when the Brits were building the railroads. So, my background is Middle Eastern, went to British India, went to East Africa, and then when uh, Idi Amin situation happened in Uganda, the neighboring countries, meaning people in Tanzania and Kenya, also got scared and said, hey, we better leave before we are told to leave. So right. most of my family ended up in uh, Canada, uh, 
even today, most of my relatives are in Canada. Some in England. Oh, you guys love the cold. Uh, some in England, and my parents got on a ship, and we ended up in Pakistan. So I spent age um, four through thirteen uh, in the country of Pakistan. I lived uh, five years in a city called Hyderabad and five years in Karachi. And you know, as a as a this is not even you know this is preteen years and all that. Um, you know, all you do is play sports. I was passionate about sports, sure. passionate about raising animals, you know, birds and all that. Oh, great. Um, yeah. Flying kites, uh, playing marbles and doing all those things. Um, I was blessed to, as an 11-year-old, to be part of a team where the next um, youngest player was 22 years old. And wow. the reason why they got me is because I could catch the ball. So they would put me in third man. Hey, stay there. Ball will come. You catch, you know. <laughs> Um, and have a good time at three. Yeah, man, so yeah. Uh, lived, lived uh, almost 10 years in Pakistan and then moved to New York in 1982. Lived in New York uh, from 1982 to 2011 and then moved to Atlanta in 2011. I'm going to give fire some quick questions at you. Ever got a chance to meet or play with Imran Khan? No, I have not gotten a chance to play with Imran Khan, um, but absolutely a great leader. Uh, a very good all-around cricketer, uh, good leader on the field, um, good leader uh, for the country. Unfortunately, his, his time ended a lot sooner than what people were expecting, uh, but I have not. Favorite batsman that you ever witnessed? Oh, that's an easy one, and, and, and Ryan, you know this. Uh, Viv Richards. Uh, without a doubt. Um, I, I just think Viv Richard was the Michael Jordan of cricket, remains to be the Michael Jordan of cricket uh, in my eyes. Um, yes, there have been a lot of other cricketers from other parts of the world. I mean, Sachin Tendulkar, what a phenomenal athlete and cricketer, right? Um, but the, the attitude that Viv Richard had um, you you can't you can't teach that, right? Um, if the late great Dean Jones, you, I'm sure you heard this story. He was feeling back pad to Viv Richards, and a spinner was bowling, and he said, "Viv, please, please don't hit me." And Viv said, "Dino, you don't have to worry. I'm not going to hit you. I'm going to hit the man in the stands behind you in that in that hat over there." Next ball, whack, over mid-wicket by the guy he stands. He says, that's the guy I'm aiming for, not you, Dino. So, so I mean, imagine, you know, in response. those years, the boundaries used to be 80, 85 yards. Uh, and the bats. Thin bats, <laughs> you know, and the bowlers. You have to middle it. Yeah. You can't get off the, the side of the battle goes for six. You have to middle this. Absolutely, thing. and you had bowlers like Lily Thompson, you know. Dennis you know. Lily, amazing. Thompson, like yeah. you said. And Viv Richards refused to wear a helmet. Against Thompson and Lee, he will never, and he did get hit, and he will never allow the bowler to. He said it will be an insult to him to make you think that he's afraid of Correct. you. Never. Absolutely. You know? And that's it's amazing. Absolutely. The way he chewed the gum and the swagger. I mean, everybody just sort of backed up a little bit on the field. Yeah, you know, and, and, and the thing is this piece. I mean, it's, it's okay to have attitude, but you also have to execute your performance right? Attitude by itself doesn't get you over the finish yeah. line, right? So he had yeah. the attitude. But, you know, people still are very good friends with him. Why? 
because he, good personality, right? Yes. So the yes. attitude was cricket on the field attitude. It wasn't off the field attitude. It was on the field saying, I have the bat and I'm going to use that bat. But off the field, you know, he's enjoying having fun with everyone. You know, I, I, on, on the field, I remember he was playing a Benson and Hedges, Benson and Hedges match. That was a big thing in the 80s and 90s when Australia would host this 50-over tournament. And it was a crucial part against, I believe it was Australia. I can't remember when. And he was bowling. And the batter, which is a very contentious subject these days, the batter was overrun. He was anticipating. He was backing up a little too much. And Viv stood by the stumps with the ball and he said, please don't do that again. And he walked back to his mark. Didn't he could have taken the bills off, but that just was not Viv Richards. He, would, he was still a gentleman, despite the swagger, despite that brute force. He was still a gentleman in the, of, of the game and he warned the guy, please don't do that again and went back to his mark. Full stop. And that's where you, and you lost, learned... The West Indies lost the match, but he would never break that, he would never break that rule. Yeah, you know, that, because in, an imaginary in sports rule. and in life, you earn respect from people. Yeah. Right? You don't demand respect, right? And yeah. people um, give you respect when they see something valuable in you, right? Um, whether it's a talent, whether it's your attitude, whether it's just your, your ability to bring people together, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Um, that, that value earns you the respect. But those who demand respect because they made runs or took wickets, unfortunately, the true respect will never be coming their way. You know? Okay, so we covered Viv Richards, a bowler that you love. If you can see this bowler bowl from two ends... Bowl six balls from one end, take the ball and bowl from the other end because you can't get enough of him watching him bowl. Who would that be? Um, in bowling category, there are a lot of great bowlers. I mean, you mentioned about Imran Khan, you know, Thompson, Lily, uh, Kapil Dave. You know, these are all good, good uh, bowlers. Um, there have been a lot of great spinners in the game as well. All right. Um, the West Indies team of the 70s and 80s had four horses. The one that I loved was the quietest of all, Michael Holding. And it's just amazing watching him take that run up and bowl to the speed that he bowled. Because he was like, no, just jogging. And, and, and if you did not know what he was going to do, you will be ex extremely surprised what happened to yeah. your head. All right? Yeah. Um, but he was a, it was a smooth action. Um, and, and the way he bowled, uh, I mean, the number of catches that went in the slip area because yes. of unexpected, you know, speed that people never expected. So... Yeah. I, 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 even till today, I watch some of the YouTube videos and watching him just do that run up is, 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 is just an art, you know, it's, it's a piece of art. I share that passion with you. I can watch Michael Holding bowl from both ends. And like you, I go on YouTube just to watch him run up. He has a short run that he, pull, that he plays in, in limited overs. And then he goes back onto the long run for the test match and just unleashes hell. And it's just amazing. I just, I was so grateful I got a chance to see it. So I share that with you. Michael Holding, my favorite bowler as well. 
Thank you. And let's, let's continue to look out for new talent because I'm sure yes. there will never be another Viv Richard or Michael Holding, but they <laughs> will make uh, a name to themselves with their unique talent. Yeah, you know. yeah absolutely. So, Shafiq Jalabji, we've reached the end. Thank you so much for coming onto this podcast. Finally got a chance to sit with you and talk about this beautiful game of cricket and what you're doing and inspiring people is no doubt. And we're thankful that the fact that you've been inducted to the Hall of Fame. Thank you for doing what you're doing. And please keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. And then, Ryan, I, I, uh, I thank you and the listeners for the opportunity to... Um, you know, spend some time with us. Um, anyone that ends up coming to Atlanta, I welcome them to come to Johns Creek, all right? Um, for a variety of reasons, as I mentioned before. But more importantly, there are things we do in Johns Creek which are somewhat of a unique feature. Um, okay. We started a new platform during Thanksgiving weekend called Giving Thanks Cricket Tournament. And the okay. purpose of that tournament during Thanksgiving weekend is to raise funds for the Johns Creek Public Safety Foundation. So we raised $8,000 for the police and fire department during that two-day weekend. Uh, that event will be an annual event. Uh, our annual Johns Creek Cricket Festival is going to happen the first week of March. Um, it's a celebration of the sport. This year it will be a two-day event. Uh, as part of the celebration of the sport, we actually have a match between the Johns Creek Police Department versus Johns Creek Fire Department. So if you are, and these individuals do not play cricket. We're talking about the fire chief and the... Well, now, now I definitely have to show right? up. Now I definitely have to come and so, see it. In fact, I'm going to bring the broadcast team. We'll get the table out there. And we're going absolutely. To broadcast this so we would love to yeah. um, have yeah. people come to Johns Creek, celebrate the sport with us, um, whatever we are doing. We want to create community engagement. Our high school cricket is starting in the um, next uh, few weeks with 12 high schools, uh, spring season. So I welcome the opportunity for anyone that is going to be in Atlanta area to come to Johns Creek and just ask for Mr. Cricket and you'll be directed to the right person. You know. Shafiq Javji, sorry, Jadavji, um, trailblazer. And he definitely leading the path in this incredible sport of cricket. Shafiq, thank you so much for leading the way for us and being a part of this podcast. Hopefully many more to come and we'll have this conversation again. And I look forward to seeing you in Atlanta and being part of the Johns Creek celebration this Absolutely. year. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Ryan. Appreciate it. Absolutely.